the announcement sheet. One of our purposes for Devar Emmett is to be a place where people can come and worship the Lord. And yet, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. I was meeting with a friend of mine this morning who's actually traditional. He goes to a synagogue here in the area that is not, you know, a Messianic synagogue. And so we were just talking about uh, Erev Yom Kippur and all the high holidays and, and uh, the, the, uh, the dwindling interests that people have when it comes to prayer in a traditional manner. I'm going to read something. Uh, this is from the book Service of the Heart by uh, Evelyn Garfield. Uh, Garfield. Just, a, uh, just a book on, on traditional prayer. It says, Nothing is more crucial for the survival of the Jewish religion than a wholesome and relevant prayer experience. And yet prayer today is a lost art for millions of our people. In their prayer book, aside from the Bible, the best known of the Jewish classics is a forgotten and little used text. If the truth be told, we have metamorphed, morphed, met, uh, morphed ourselves into Jews without prayer. Identification with our religious civilization assumes the form of Zionist, philanthropic, humanitarian, communal, cultural, and social activities galore. But the pews of our synagogues are all but empty on Shabbat morning. Why? The answer in all simplicity has to do with the fact that the new generation has lost its faith in a supernatural God who listens and on occasion even answers human supplications. One may advance a plethora of sophisticated reasons for the lack of participation in traditional Jewish prayer on the part of our young people. One may expound numerous hypotheses predicated upon philosophical, psychological, sociological, and emotional considerations. But the primary cause is that prayer no longer turns us on. It is not fashionable to pray. Pure and simple, when one cannot believe in a supernatural being, it is impossible to engage in formalistic and meaningless mumbo-jumbo. For so many of us today, prayer is no longer dialogue with God, but monologue in which the Jew is merely talking to himself. It's fascinating. For many of us, it's kind of like that. You know, we've been going through, it's the Moxer. The Moxer is a, is a special book we use at uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's, an or, it's organized prayers. Almost all of it just from the text, from the, from the Bible, from the scriptures. Uh, arranged in the patterns that are helpful for us to consider our lives and consider our sin. And yet it is true that prayer is kind of, uh, it's on the outs uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, when I talk to my friends who are Christians, you know, pastors of churches, you know, getting people to show up for a prayer meeting where people just sit and pray over the needs of people, you know, it's really tough, even in our own synagogue. Uh, you know, if we get three or four people, five people, that's a lot. As, uh, 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 you know, certain Christian writers have, have written, I'm trying to think of one guy off the top of my head and I can't, uh, but a, a great Christian writer from the 1800s, he talked about the difficulty of prayer, how hard it is to truly pray. And why? Because it really does demand faith in the fact that God is listening. For many of us, we really are not so sure. It takes faith to believe 
that the Lord our God, the God of Israel, the supernatural God of Israel is alive and kicking and happy to interact with us. Many of us have interactions, conversations with our friends that are quite animated, exhausting sometimes. I got a friend or two like that. Interacting with them is just exhausting. It's just a lot of a lot of a lot of work. But it's a wonderful relationship. Having a relationship with God shouldn't be easy because it's a meaningful relationship. The Lord our God, though, wants us to be in relationship with Him. He wants us to be in communication with Him. And that communication is called prayer. And what I want to do this evening is I just want to work through these issues uh, of prayer, worship, purposefully worshiping. And as a text, I'm going to use Psalm 100. Now, you don't have copies of this. I apologize for that. But Psalm 100 has five verses. So I think you can track with me uh, even if you haven't got it in front of you. Psalm 100 is a psalm of thanksgiving. That's what it is. And it starts out in uh, verses 1 and 2 with the statement, Shout for joy to Adonai all the earth. Serve Adonai with gladness. Enter his presence with joyful songs. Someone might ask the question, What is worship? What is purposeful worship? What is it? What does it mean to worship the Lord your God? Is it just a simple uh, uh, set of practices? You know, standing up, sitting down, bowing. And we do a lot of that at the high holidays. But that is not purposeful worship. You can worship the Lord your God, never moving out of your seat. First of all, purposeful worship is worship that is properly directed. One of the things that we read about constantly within the biblical text, within our Torah, is that there is worship that is vapid. Because people are worshiping the wrong God. Worshiping the wrong God. The biblical text makes it very clear that there is only one God. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. We do not believe in pluralism as Jewish people. Although a lot of Jewish people do believe in pluralism. The biblical text and the tradition of our, of our people, and certainly if you look at the New Testament text, makes it very, very clear. There is only one God, the God of Israel. And that we are to follow Him. And the whole world should be following the God of Israel. That is the right way to go. Purposeful worship means you're worshiping the right God. You're properly directing your worship toward a God who is real, not false. The God of Israel is a real God. But also, what's important, purposeful worship has to be properly motivated. It has to be properly motivated. If you're worshiping the God of Israel and you say, I'm here because I do believe in the God of Israel, but you're standing up and you're sitting down and you're going through the motions, but it's not in your heart. You're not engaged with desiring to know God. Then it's not purposeful. It's not meaningful. Are you here this evening with an attitude to seek the Lord your God? Do you truly want to know the God of Israel? And I hope you do. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. Seek the Lord your God because He is real. Direct your worship to Him because there is no other God. If you do that, you will indeed worship purposefully. But again, why do we worship? Verse 3 says this, Be aware that Adonai is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. His people, the flock in His pasture. Why do we worship? 
We worship because we need to acknowledge that the Lord is God. We need that for ourselves. God has made us. And there is something within each one of us that desires to connect with the Lord our God. Isn't it fascinating that people are religious everywhere in the world? Uh, that, uh, you know, never been to Russia, but I've read a little bit about it. But, you know, you know the communism that developed and the socialism that developed in those atheistic societies made their leaders into almost demigods. North Korea, they worship that leader as if he is a god, but it is an atheistic state. Isn't that amazing? But the reason that they do it is there is a need in each one of us for God, because God has made us. Therefore, worshiping is good for us. We need to want to know that God. We worship because we need to be able to express ourselves to that God. The Lord our God is a holy, righteous God, and He has made us, and we need Him because He fulfills us. True fulfillment, purpose for life, is found and understood and confirmed when we connect with God through worship. The last thing that, that comes to, to mind when I think about this, though, is unfortunately, we are broken people. Sin has indeed you know, done damage to our relationship with God. When you look at the biblical text, it makes it very clear in the, in the Psalms. It says, if we regard sin in our heart, God doesn't hear our prayers. And uh, we see through the, the whole system of sacrifice that God provided a means by which relationship with Him could be restored through shed blood, through the sacrificial system, through the temple in Yerushalayim, and ultimately through Messiah Yeshua, who gave His life willingly, allowing His blood to be shed on our behalf so that our sins would be forgiven. All anyone needs to do in order to come into right relationship, God, is to acknowledge their sin, believe on the atonement God has provided through our Messiah Yeshua for the forgiveness of that sin, and to basically commit themselves to God's way. I think that last part is simply recognizing that going my way is the wrong way. <laughs> and going, right, going God's way is the right way. Because it just makes sense. But we need to worship because God made us. And we are His. And it completes us and fulfills us. And yet we need to remember that the personal benefit is significant because in seeking God and in worshiping Him, we receive a forgiveness of our sin and the sealing of that relationship. Now, how do we worship? You know, a lot of people don't like long services. You know, it's true. Again, I was talking to my friend. They start at 8.30 and they go to, you know, 2 or 3 o'clock. Talking to another friend of mine who's Orthodox, sees in services all day tomorrow. I mean, think it, think about it this way, folks. It's easy. We're here maybe till about eight o'clock. It's a short service. Tomorrow, it's only a couple hours, two hours in the morning, maybe well, two and a half. Okay, I'll be honest, two and a half. All right. But you know what? You can worship the Lord your God at home. Although you do need to come for services. It's good for you to be with other people. But you can worship the Lord your God on your own. You can worship the Lord your God in your car. You can worship the Lord your God even on the job. Because it's all in your attitude. 
Now first, we worship God, and we do this here in this synagogue, by coming into a place like this, a synagogue set apart, where we can focus on God. It's a little hard to focus on God at home, maybe with the screaming kids, or with the TV set, or the noisy neighbors, or some other thing. But it is something special and nice to come into a place like this. A Mikrakodesh, a holy assembly to worship the Lord our God. I encourage you to do it on a regular basis because it is good for you. And it's good for other people because they can connect with you and know you. But again, you can worship God anywhere. But how we worship God is mostly in our minds. It's in our attitude. It's in our motivations. To set everything else aside. To truly just determine that we desire to know God. To open ourselves up before Him. To be honest with God and transparent. As we stated earlier in the liturgy, the Lord knows what's in us anyway. But our attitude before Him must be one of openness. Honesty. And what's really nice is the Lord our God knows what we're made of. So when we humbly come before him and we admit our difficulties or our fears or our difficulties, all we're really doing is recognizing again his majesty. When my kid, when kids were younger and they'd come to me to ask because they had problems, they're recognizing my superior ability. They recognized that I was the source of their help. Sometimes that was annoying, but often it made me feel good. Sometimes it was a little bit difficult. Sometimes it came with a bad moment or a bad timing. But you know what? The Lord our God is never annoyed. He's never too busy. He's never, he's never without a good answer. When we come to Him recognizing that He is the one who can meet our needs, we are worshiping Him. And He really enjoys that. He desires that. Finally, there are a lot of other ways related to this to worship Him. Whether singing, giving, reading, praying. You know, in Jewish tradition, when we read through the biblical text, the section on the, on the sacrifices, it's as if we are giving those sacrifices. Now, I'm not going to say that reading brings atonement, but I, what I'm saying is, is that to, to worship the Lord is to recognize Him in not just in a religious context, but in every way. You know, in the New Testament text, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. So in everything you do in your life, including on the job, including doing the dishes, including, you know, giving charity, all of that honors God because it demonstrates faith if you do it with the proper motivation. So, to wrap all this up, I encourage you to give some consideration to your interests this evening. Are you here because you have a sense of obligation, a sense that i got to show up, I promised my mother or my father I would always go to Arab Yom Kippur services? Or are you really here because you want to connect with the God of the universe? You really want to worship Him. You really want to seek Him with all your heart, mind, and soul. I pray that that is your motivation. And that if in times you struggle and you're not really actively involved, that you will come to the congregation on a regular basis. And you will get involved for the purpose of deepening your personal relationship with God. 
as well as allowing God to work through you to be an encouragement and a help to others. On your sheet, I have a couple of points of application. Feel free to read through it on your own time. But give some consideration to this. The high holidays are a great opportunity for what I call a reality check. A reality check. An opportunity to kind of be woken up a little bit in, in terms of who God is and what God expects of us. And uh, truly, my prayer from all these holidays is that each one of us will be more, will be more motivated to simply know God and want to live our lives according to His instructions.